0: Hi, this is Emily Pereira, coming to you from Costa Rica, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J.
1: Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey,
2: Dream Chasers. This is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 161 of Chasing Dreams. Before we go too far... This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon. P A T R E O N. Thanks again. Guys, I'm stoked to bring you this next guest. Once entrenched in the corporate world, searching for happiness and fulfillment everywhere except for where it really exists, Emily Pereira had a breakdown that became an astonishing breakthrough after discovering a treasure trove of passion and magic living inside her she was previously blind to. Now, She's helping other women attract soul affirming love into their lives by showing them how to gain access to their magnetic, radiant selves and via one on one coaching and transformational Costa Rican retreats where she lives. Her ebook, Unstoppable Woman, is available on Amazon, and her 300 page memoir, The Quest, is in the wings. A mompreneur living her dream life co- in Costa Rica, Emily giving other women a map for how to manifest a life that is in alignment with their heart, is here today to share her story. And I can't wait for you to listen. Here it is. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Hey, Amy, thanks so much for having me. So I here in the middle of recording and in the middle of this hurricane watch and whatnot, go ahead and make me feel better. What is the weather like out in Costa Rica? <laughs> well, actually, we are in the middle of rainy season,
0: but Thank goodness that it's actually been a very mild rainy season this year because last year was the most hardcore rainy season in 10 years and it was my first rainy season living here mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know if I can hack this, but um, it's been beautiful. It rains most nights, but it's it's sunny usually during the day.
2: That's awesome. Well, so when, when I think of beautiful weather and beautiful skies, it's, it's almost a dream place to go to. Was Costa Rica always a place you wanted to go to? You know,
0: when I was graduating college, I had a girlfriend that was a couple of years older than I, and she was doing this around the world trip for a year. And I was like, she's on to something. And so I got together with my best girlfriend and was like, we should go around the world for a year. And she was like, yeah. And then, you know, we told our parents about that plan. And they were like, my dad was like, like, hell, you're doing
2: that. <laughs> and they um, <laughs> yeah, Nip that in the bud quick, didn't they?
0: Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was just graduating college. I didn't know yet that I didn't have to listen to him anymore. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, what about Costa Rica for six months? And he was just like, rrr, rrr, you know, begrudgingly uh, agreed to that. So after college, um, my girlfriend and I came here. And we didn't even really know what we were going to do. We we're like, maybe we'll work on an organic coffee farm. Um, and. In the first week, we went to one of the beach towns and we meet this guy, an expat from San Diego, you -hmm. know, tattoos all over his body. And he's just like, hey, girls, like all stoned out. He's like, you want to surf? And we're like, we looked at him like terrified. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he handed us boards. We had no idea what we were doing. Went out there, each caught waves, looked at each other and said, that's why we came here. And so for the next six months, we went on this just like amazing surf adventure and I fell in love with surfing and I had always planned on moving back to San Francisco where my family is after college and right. starting life, getting a job, doing all that. And I just was like, I got to spend my life by the beach. So I moved to San Diego and was, was surfing and, and working and got my first job in sales. And I met a guy who was living up in LA and then I got Lured up there, but they're always in the back of my mind was Costa Rica. I have to say, I, um, it just seemed so unrealistic back in, this was 2001. It just seemed, um, you know, the town that I felt super connected to was like a dirt road. They'd, you know, gotten electricity two years before, but I felt very connected to the land. There was something about this town that I'm now living in 16 years later. Um, that I just, in my heart, I just, I wanted to stay. But at that point, I was like, oh, my parents have invested so much money in my education. And, um, you know, that
2: just wasn't sort of the expectation in my family. So- Well, yeah, it's it's definitely a different thing to do, right? I mean, that's (laughs) that's not really expected, but it sounds like Costa Rica kind of uh, was love at first sight almost. It was, it was definitely love at first sight. Now, growing up though, that was that was a college wish that came true and you you ended up spending it there. But what did little Emily want to do? What did you want to be when you grew up?
0: You know, little Emily wanted to be a teacher. Okay. So little Emily would would line up her stuffed animals in front of one of those like white dry erase boards and teach them things.
2: <laughs> hey, it's a it's a great profession.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. I'm now a teacher um, of sorts. I, you know, I teach women. I teach them in my coaching and um, in my retreats. But the the material is is far different than than what I had envisioned in my younger self. So but it took th- me a
2: long road to get here. <laughs> so where did that change? Now I, I'm not saying go wrong, but where did that diverge from? So as you're growing up, when did it become not teaching? Um, somewhere.
0: Okay. So I graduated college and then I was thinking about going back to grad school and doing something with teaching. And my dad was like, can you just get one job and just, (laughs) and just see if you like it, you know, before I put you in more school. And so I got one job that led to another job and, you know, I got used to making money and got used to the lifestyle. And, um, so I went into sales Mm -hmm. and I was working for a pharmaceutical company, um, in my twenties and it was a lifestyle job. You know, it was like free car, free gas, free insurance. You know, you would make your own sales calls. You didn't have to go to an office. Tons of flexibility. You know, I call it now, I call it golden handcuffs because it um, it's not really a passion job, but you have time to do your other passions on the side.
2: That's a that's an interesting name. I've never heard of that described that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I, you know... I did that job and I was pretty okay with it for like five years. And then I went through what I call like Saturn returns, midlife crisis, mid quarter life crisis, excuse me, Um, right around the time I was 28, like almost 29 years old, where my world sort of just came like crashing down. Because I had been, you know, sort of doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do that would bring me happiness. And um, even just like messages I'd absorbed from, you know, society, the ether advertising about what it means to be happy. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to my late twenties, I had this life that looked really good from the outside. You know, it was like, I did have the job and I did, I, I was strangely very good at it. And so it was like, you know, winning these trips, you know, around the world and big commission checks and things like that. And I lived in this beautiful beach house with my boyfriend at the time, who was like one of the original MySpace founders and, you know, just parties, events, vacations, designer clothes, like all like the stuff of life. And, you know, for whatever reason, like we were escaping our so-called perfect life most weekends, you know, partying pretty excessively. Not really the sign of super happy, fulfilled people. You right. know, we were we That's were escaping. True. So um, but I, I had a very narrow vision of myself back then and a very narrow vision of life in general. And so I couldn't really see the forest through the trees. And 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 when right around the time I thought I'd be getting the ring from the guy, I found out that he cheated on me. Oh, and so, you know, I, I was sorry at the time, but that moment, which it, it took me into just like, took me to my knees. It was just like, you know, cause we've been together for almost six years and it just really brought me to a place where I just felt so alone and lost all of our mutual friends, you know, kind of aligned with him. I, I just was like starting all over again in this town, you know, I'd moved to LA to be with him. Right. And, and around that time I connected, you know, this is like the forces of the universe connected me with this spiritual teacher. You know, they say when, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, I knew nothing about spirituality. It's 2006 before Facebook and Instagram and everybody posting inspirational messages was a thing. And, I knew very little about this man, but I would soon discover that he had information that wasn't in books and hands that could actually heal your body, which Mm -hmm. news to this girl in the pharmaceutical industry, right? (laughs) Um, So, you know, he looked at me on our first session. He was just like, I see you're in pain, but your pain has a lot less to do with this man and this life that you've lost and a lot more to do with the fact you bought into illusions about yourself and the way that the world works that simply aren't true. And the biggest illusion you're working with is you think you have to be perfect. He's like, you think you have to be perfect in order to be worthy of approval, acceptance, and ultimately love. And I was like, nailed it. Yep.
2: (laughs) God knows what he's talking about. You know, it's actually interesting because I wonder how many people listening now. I'm because as soon as you said it, I was like, mm-hmm, me too. How many other people listening thought that too? I mean, I actually have not ever told that to
0: a story to a woman where she hasn't like bowed her head and like just kind of nodded it and yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> but what was interesting, what he said to me, he was like, you know, don't f- I remember because it was a very cold day. I was up in San Francisco and I met him and my cheeks were just like burning because, oh, I want to be perfect. All right. I just don't want anyone to know I wanted to be perfect. And he was like, he could see that. And he was like, don't feel bad. You know, every single woman from, you know, I don't care if you're Oprah, Angelina Jolie, Queen Elizabeth, the lady plowing the rice fields in Bali, like this is a a programming that all women receive. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is, you know, women were pretty damn capable. So we end up creating these lives that look really good. And we can't figure out why they don't feel as good as they look. And he asked me, you know, what are you doing that's creative? And I was like, oh, I'm not creative. That, that gene skipped me. And he laughed. And he's this incredible artist that showcases art all around the world. I mean, I, I met him at an art gallery, actually. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, creativity isn't a genetic thing. It is an energy that's a natural part of being human. And you're freezing yourself out of this natural creative passion with your attempt to be perfect. And he says, you know, think about it. Nothing in the natural world is perfect. A tree isn't perfectly straight. A flower isn't perfectly symmetrical. Like you're part of the natural world, right? So how or why could you be perfect? And he was like, the answer is you can't, but to constantly be referencing yourself to something that doesn't actually exist means you're walking around in a constant state of judgment of yourself. And all of our thoughts have energy vibrations associated with them. And the vibration of judgment is so dense that it's, like a bl- it's forming a block that's preventing you from knowing this innate creative passion that is your birthright as a human and they dropped this wisdom bomb on me that would forever change my life. Well, yeah. And he said, you do not have to be perfect to participate and to create. You simply need to give yourself permission to be the beginner. It's like the beginner isn't supposed to know anything, so the beginner can never fail. And I was like he's like any step you take is a success.
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds like, like one of those things where um, it once you know it, you can't unknow it. Oh,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. So all of a sudden I was like, well, when you say it like that, it's pretty damn obvious. But I had totally missed it. It had totally gone over my head for, you know, at that point, I was like two months before my 29th birthday. Um, and so it wasn't that I felt instantly creative when he said it, but but everything he said to me on that day resonated as a deep truth. And so I continued to work with him. And one of the things that he teaches is to, you know, that, to start taking radical personal responsibility for everything in your life. And so, you know, before I met him, I used to think like things happened to me. And... He's like, you know, as long as you're vibrating in that place of, oh, poor me, bad things happen to me, you have a victim nature vibration. And so you're attracting more things like that to you. But if you turn that on its head and understand that you and you alone are personally responsible for creating everything in your life for your benefit and evolution, you start to vibrate in gratitude because there's a gift in every situation. So I started to do that and my life started to get a lot better In a very short period of time, and I was able to, you know, and this is like, hey, if you get a parking ticket, I if I get a parking ticket, I created that. If I get a lottery ticket, I created that. Like full
2: radical personal
0: responsibility.
2: So wait, when you when you when you say that, and you now learn this, and again, you can't unlearn it once you've learned it. How do you? Was it a overnight thing where you changed your mindset now and you're viewing it differently, or did it just come naturally and you built up that practice? of seeing things? It, 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 it's sort of like a muscle. The more that I would do it, the
0: more second nature and stronger it would become. Um, and even still now, you know, and this is 12 years later, (laughs) um, even still now I can catch myself, you know, even complaining about, you know, the weather or traffic or something. And then all of a sudden I'm like, no, okay. Like as long as I think these things are happening to me, I'm just, it's sort of like, cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, it's just like it's not, it's not helping me. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll just remind myself, and you know, one of the things that we do on my retreat that I love is that um all of the women get a bracelet on the first day and this and we do a negativity cleanse. And so what it is is that anytime we catch ourselves being negative to ourselves or to others in our thoughts or or in our, you know, in speaking, we just silently move the bracelet to the other side and make a statement of gratitude, um, positivity, or to, you know, ask, ask ourselves, well, why am I creating this right now? Where's the gift? And usually the gift is not a gift like something we're used to considering a gift. You know, it's usually a recognition, it's a forgiveness, it's compassion, and we have greater compassion and understanding for ourselves that, and that kindness that then translates to people around us.
2: So, so one of the other things I, I just wanted to touch while, you, while you're kind of talking about that, um, finding the goodness in the situation is another way to look at it, trying to find the silver lining
0: in a gray cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finding the silver lining. There's always a silver lining. There's always a gift. You know, and when we're when we find the gift, um, that's when our vibration is gratitude because we're thankful when we get a gift. Right. And gratitude is the most it's the foundation of all manifestation. Mm-hmm. And so if we're vibrating in that place of gratitude, that's when just out of the blue, amazing things start falling in our lap. And that's when, you know, what people call luck You're like, oh, just so lucky. We'll know that person is vibrate there. that we're attracting that to us. We're either we're either attracting or repelling. That's what, that's what our energy vibration does. And so by adopting that understanding of I, I'm personally responsible for creating every single thing in my life, that is like the fast track to starting to create a life that you're really stoked about.
2: So is that when... Uh, yeah, so...
0: Yeah, so to continue the story. So things started to get again. You know, I made, I made a, another group of, of lovely friends and I moved into a new beautiful home and I met another, another man and went into a committed relationship with him and got a dog. And like, for all intents and purposes, like my life was like back together again. And it, it looked really good again from the outside, but there was this question around that time when everything was just calm and good and peaceful. And now I'm not like, Partying like Keith Richards most weekends anymore. I've, I've toned that down. Um, so now I'm really calm, like living a very calm and peaceful life. And this is when I, you know, I'm not running around to every party and jumping on a plane every couple of days. This is this is when this question showed up of like, when are you going to do something that really matters to you? And this question was like. Really haunting me. It would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would just like stare at the ceiling, like just agitated. And then I'd wake up in the morning and it would be like, She should be there, you know, just like following me around, like, When are you going to do something that matters to you? And this was just very confronting because I had been doing a lot of things for a long time. And, um, I didn't know what mattered to me. You know, I, I had gotten so disconnected from really what I was passionate about and what was important to me that I didn't really even know. And, um, and so when I communicated that to my teacher, he was like, I really see you're a writer. He was like, you have to write your story. He was like, even if you never show it to anybody, it's going to heal your heart. And when he said that I remember still remember where I was standing in my house talking on the phone I felt like someone was doing like a tap dance on my heart and This just blurted out was you know what? I think I am a writer And which is hilarious to me because at the time I had literally not written anything in 11 years Besides oh, wow. I do maybe you like thought, emails but yet you thought I'm a writer I mean, I didn't even consciously think that. It was like, it was like spirit was like speaking through me. It was just like, yes, that is what I am. And it it took me by surprise. (laughs) Like I was not, I wasn't, you know, we consciously say things. This was not something just kind of like, bam, it came out. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't even know how to start thinking he might direct me to like an online course or, you know. UCLA extension or something like that. And he was just like, you know, for the next 30 days, set an intention that you're recovering your innate creative passion. And then just be the beginner. I'm like, oh, just be the beginner. Okay. Um, and you know what? It sounded a little hokey, mm-hmm. but I had nothing to lose. So I just went with it. And sure enough, after like 30 days, maybe it was like a little longer than that. I just was like, today's the day. It was just like this apathy was like eating me from the inside out. And I just I sat down at my couch, flipped up in my shiny MacBook Air that back in those days just only got used for like Facebook and online shopping. And um and I just set a little intention. I said, I'm Emily, I give myself permission to be the beginner, tell the truth, and have fun. And I was amazed that by simply suspending judgment, the words flowed freely. And I had a few sentences and then a few paragraphs and suddenly had a few pages and then like a full chapter. And I remember that first week just sort of like breaking down in tears and being like, I'm going to be okay. And this was the beginning of a totally new trajectory for me. It was like the floodgates just burst open and I began to play guitar and sing and write songs and paint paintings and do improv and dance burlesque. Mm -hmm. And it's just this explosion of creative passion went off in my life. And I did not think I had a creative bone in my body my whole life. So this was just like pretty much blowing my mind And aside from the fact that like, oh, wow, there's this wellspring of inspiration that's been living inside of me that I was totally like blind to, no wonder I was a hot mess. (laughs) Um, That created a cascade of spiritual changes that I had no, I had no clue that the spiritual and the creative were so closely tied together. And, you know, I just noticed like suddenly my thoughts became less of like, what I don't have, what I need to do more of, you know, how I need to work harder and do more and more Were they like, that's a cool way to connect those chapters. Or that'd be a cool song lyric. Or I really like that color. I want to see if I can find it in a paint. And they were more inspired thoughts. And I don't think we realize how much those thoughts of I'm not doing enough and I need to do more and be more put on our body the stress that it puts on our body and what I found was that in those moments of inspiration I felt connected to who I am and why I'm here and I you know I've still been lugging around some resentment towards my ex-boyfriend and my ex-friends and all of a sudden those resentments alchemized to gratitude because I was like wow well I had to take all those steps to get to this moment." this inspired moment where there's no place I'd rather be I'm so grateful for that and my fears and anxieties for the future evaporated because I was just so happy in the present I wanted to be present for my life and I just you know It was just really interesting to me, like the more I would give myself permission, the more my belief in myself would go up. And as my belief in myself went up, my competition with women went down. And this was pretty dramatic. I remember just feeling this incredible camaraderie for the first time in my life, genuine camaraderie with other women, um, especially women that were chasing their dreams, giving themselves permission. And and had already discovered some of these things that I was just learning about. So definitely, and I a, felt a, definitely a game changer for you. Huge game changer. Um, I mean, really, like I feel like it on like a cellular level, I was being altered, and and I and I felt just a very very real compassion for women that were still, you know, bound by these chains of perfection because I'd been bound by those chains for almost all my life. Sure, and so I just. I knew in that moment that this would somehow factor into my life's work. Um, and another thing that was just really interesting is probably most amazing of all of it. I mean, it's hard to say what was most amazing, but this one's pretty much up there in my other life that was quite opulent and sort of the vision that we're all sold that this is what, you know, success and happiness looks like. It never felt like it was enough for me. And here I was in far more modest circumstances, pretty much most of my party was like on my couch with my creative passions. And I felt like I was enough way more of the time because, and I realized like, I I felt like it was enough way more of the time. And I realized it can only be enough until it's not going to feel like it's enough until we feel like we are enough. And that's the power of the creative. And so I knew that my life's work would be around helping other women access this wellspring of passion and magic living inside of them as a vehicle to um,
2: cultivating real self-worth. So when you, when you came to this realization, right? you're, moving, you're moving through... Um, with this change and mindset, right, it's a huge one. Is this what leads you to Costa Rica?
0: Absolutely. So, so meanwhile, I'm still I'm still doing my job, and I'm waking up in every way in my life, and I'm waking up to the reality that I might be working for one of the biggest mafiosos on the planet, and it's a very unnerving feeling, and I. I'm seeing firsthand how energy healing works. I'm starting to do healing with foods and different natural modalities. And so it's starting to feel really not aligned with my heart, but I don't know how to get out. It's like totally golden handcuffs, like I said, and it, the lifestyle of it allowed me all this time to, to create and to invest in myself and to, and to work on myself. And so, um, I didn't quite know how to get out, but I started my business on the side, the business that I have now, um, my coaching business, and I started leading retreats for women. And the first one I led was in Mexico. And then still the pull of Costa Rica from all those many years before, I was like, I want to go back to Costa Rica and lead some retreats. So I, I didn't come back to the town I live in right now because I—it was a, there was another beach town that was right next to the airport. And I thought that for my first few, it might just be easier to do it closer to that airport. So I started out in the northern part of the country in Playa Negra, and on a retreat one day, I was sitting on my surfboard. Just the sky was exploding with the most gorgeous sunset, and just the most luscious nature all around me. And I just realized how starved I had become for nature mm-hmm. and for the natural and for the natural world, and how happy I am on retreat. And I just like said a little whisper to the wind. I did wasn't even that intentional. I just said, "I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm going to live here someday." And three months later, <laughs> I bought a spur-of-the-moment ticket for my birthday to Costa Rica again um, for to come back to this town that I remembered being my favorite town back when I was 23. And I just came on a solo adventure to write and surf. And while I was here, I met a very charming French man. And... I was standing at the edge of the path to go surfing and kind of like trying to get up my nerve because it was very kind of a windy big day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. The angel was like, be the beginner. You got this girl. And the angel, and the devil's like, hell no, you're gonna die. And, um, he, yeah, he, he came walking up and was just like, how does it look? In his thick French accent. And I was like, Oh, it looks all right. Trying to try to play it cool. And, <laughs> And he was like, I think it would be good. And uh, something about the way he said that, it was like an invitation to go with him, which made me feel much safer because there was nobody else out. So I kind of paddled out behind him. And we just got to chatting and catching waves and coming back to the same place. And he invited me out to dinner. And one thing led to the next. And I ended up extending my ticket. And we went on this surf trip all around the country. And he ended up dropping me off at the airport and was like... You know this is His English was not that good Back then He was just like Darling I know from when I work In the restaurant The man The man knows exactly What he wants. He say I have the chocolate cake Now the woman The woman She say I have the chocolate cake No, no I want the pineapple thing Wait, wait, wait I want the ice cream <laughs> So I know the woman She changed her mind So you want You go home You think about it You come back We make a baby <laughs> Well, all right <laughs> Yeah, when you don't speak the language that well, you just got to be really direct. (laughs) Um, And so I just was like laughing and just like, okay, is this guy for real? Um, And I could tell that he was for real but I like I didn't I just kind of didn't think about it as too strong of a reality and then I went back to my home in Venice Beach where I was living and you know sitting in my beautiful bungalow with all my beautiful things that I've collected over the 15 years of living there and I just was like I want the adventure I was just like you know it's just stuff and so I called him up like a week. I slept on it and I slept on it again. I slept on it for a week. And then I called him up and I said, my dog's name is Disco. And I said, are Disco and I still invited to come live with you in the jungle? And he said, of course, darling. And here I am. And we, our baby is one year old.
2: Congratulations.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, and now we lead our retreats together. And he is the chef and the surf instructor. And I do everything else. And we are actually building a retreat center, a retreat and wellness center
2: here. That's fantastic. And, and definitely not where you thought yourself, uh, little M- Emily thought herself, but here you are doing this. And you've also written one book with one on the way, right? Yes, well, I have an ebook called Unstoppable
0: Woman that's on Amazon, and then I've written my memoir, and that's in the process of coming out to the world, and then I'm halfway done with the sequel to the memoir.
2: <laughs> that is exciting. So, Ellen, let me ask you, when you're in Costa Rica, you've done all these things, you're living a beautiful life. Is there anything you would change? Yeah, because I, I, I know that about, there's a different... About the journey? About the journey, Yeah.
0: No, I wouldn't change anything about the journey because it's really in the journey is where I've, I've learned everything, you know, the journey, the journey humbled me down to the point where I had to say, you know what, maybe I don't actually have all the information. And that was a very important step on my path. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, if anybody's listening and you're going through a hard time right now, um, sometimes we have to get to that point where we're sort of broken down and we can rebuild from a different place. You know, I really found that my younger self, she wasn't bad. She wasn't wrong. She just didn't have the information, you know, our, the information that we have informs our beliefs, our beliefs, create our thoughts and our thoughts create everything in our life. And so, um, you know, it's just been, a it's, every day really but but looking out over the past 12 years it's just been a it's just been a very beautiful awakening. And it makes me, you know, I just turned 40 this year and I really feel like my life is just beginning. I'm just, I'm so looking forward to just, just more ways, more recognitions, more ways that I'll grow, more ways that I'll expand and just become softer, softer into myself, more compassionate. Yeah. It's been, it's been a ride. <laughs> it's been a ride and I have no doubt that there's much more to come because when you're on a path of growth, when your compass is growth, things change but when you have supportive information the changes break you open and they don't break you down and each time you land on a, on your feet on a new horizon that's even more expansive than the last
2: it's a great way to put it so let me ask you having gone through this experience having learned the lessons you've learned and you know essentially i think it's safe to say come out on top where in a positive place What is something you would tell someone who's chasing their dream today, who may be struggling as you were 12 or so years ago? You
0: know, I would say be patient with yourself and absolutely find people that are a little bit ahead of you on the path that can help shine a flashlight for you. Um, You don't have to do it all alone. And also, you know maybe if you you want to be someone that's chasing a dream, but you don't even know really what to, what you should be chasing, but you know there's something in you that, that's powerful and, and wants to be expressed and wants to be shared with the world, it, there's a very simple equation. and it's permission leads to passion and passion delivers us, will deliver you to your purpose. Passion is a messenger. Like what you're reading about for fun, what you can't get enough of, even if it seems like the
2: wackiest thing in the world, that's your purpose. That's awesome. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story and the advice. It's (laughs) awesome to hear. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here. And guys, that was Emily Pereira. She's doing some amazing things as are all dream chasers, but she's doing it on her terms and it's fantastic. You guys can learn more about Emily and find the links we mentioned in the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 161. That's episode 161. Until next time, dream chasers, keep chasing.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams.